And now it's time for another Dr. Film Podcast. And now, Dr. Film. That's awful. Shut up, we're on. Greetings and welcome to this Dr. Film podcast. I hope this goes over better than your TV pilot. Hey, that was good. (laughs) Only if by good you mean that 90% of the world ignored it and half of the rest hated it. But that last half, they loved it. Yeah, look at all the success it's brought you. Well, moving right along, ask Dr. Film. This is where you send in questions about films, and I answer them for you. Anamorphia has been gathering up the questions, and we're ready. If you'd like to ask a question, please send it to AskDrFilm at DrFilm.net, and your question may be picked at random from the three listeners we have. (laughs) Well, the first couple of these I picked because they'll annoy you the most. Here's the first one from Lars Lindstrom in Minnesota. My wife and I are arguing about what the first color film was. She says it was The Wizard of Oz, and I say it was Gone with the Wind. I don't think The Wizard of Oz counts because the beginning and end are in black and white. What's the real answer, Dr. Film? (sighs) Well, this is going to be a long show. I can see that now. Color goes back to the early days of film. You can find hand tinting and stenciling from 1895 or 1896. Yeah, but that doesn't count, because it's a short film, and it's painted on color. They mean real, natural color, and and a feature. If you're looking for a feature in real color, I'd say the Deli of Durbar from 1912 in Kinema Color. That was flickery-looking, not steady. They mean non-flickery color. Okay, the Gulf Between in 1917 from Technicolor. No, no, no. That's that's a two-color process. We, we don't see all the colors. That doesn't count. So you want to see the first movie in full color that wasn't flickery, that was a feature film, and was entirely in color? Yes. Well, if you count some of the odd British or German processes that petered out in the 1930s... No. So you want to know the first movie in color that wasn't flickery, that was a feature film entirely in color... And a process that wasn't a flash in the pan. Yes. Well, Becky Sharp from 1935. No one's ever heard of that. Well, that's not my fault. That's the answer, given the restrictions you gave me. It's on video. It's the first feature film in three-strip Technicolor, even though there were lots of color films back through the early days of the movies. (laughs) Well, this one's from Mort Guffman. What's the best way to watch a movie on my phone, Dr. Film? Should I use Netflix, TCM On Demand, or or just YouTube? Oh, dear. Well, I wouldn't know, Mr. Guffman. For me, watching a movie on a phone is like sucking up peanuts through a straw. Even if it works, you miss the point. (laughs) Movies, especially older films, and particularly silence, should be seen with an audience. They were created that way, they were cut that way, and they were timed that way. That's what the art form is. You wouldn't want to play Grand Theft Auto 63 in a crowded room, would you? 
That's supposed to be a one-on-one experience. They're not the same. So you're trying to sell a TV show that people are going to watch on their phones. You know they are. Then you're telling them that they shouldn't be watching this on their phones at all, but with an audience? You hypocrite. The Dr. Film Show is supposed to be a stepping-off point so you can learn more about the movies and then appreciate them with an audience. We also show movies that no one else is probably going to show, so at least you get a chance to see them. But seriously, if you're going to watch movies on your phone, and that's the only way you'll watch them, I'd recommend one of the paid services, because the stuff on YouTube and archive.org is really terrible. I don't want people to get the idea that all old movies look soft, fuzzy, and blown out. Next question. Well, this is from Mr. J. Griffin from Ipswich. Why are all old movies fuzzy, soft, and blown out? Is it bad technology? You just pick these randomly, right? You're not just shuffling them around just to pick the ones that'll set me off, are you? Uh, no, no. This one, this one was on top. Well, Mr. Griffin, if that's your real name, old movies were not always fuzzy, soft, and blown out. What's come down to us, and often all of what we can see is poorly copied prints that don't look anything like they did when the films debuted. Sometimes we're lucky and a preservationist finds a great nitrate master or a negative, but sometimes all we have are bad copies. That blown-out look, you notice, is because of the copying being poor, not because of the way the movies were shot. Wow. You did that whole thing without swearing once. I'm impressed. I'm saving it until we're finished and we get to your employee review. (laughs) Well, this one is unsigned. It says, I want to find this movie from TV. Roy Thinnis was in it. And there was this house. That's all I remember. You're going to have to do better than that, Mom. You've been looking for the same movie since I was a kid. Oh, that scares me. What? That you have a mother. Imagine how she feels. (laughs) Well, this is from a Mr. Anonymous. I saw your pilot. It was terrible. You don't know how to light things properly. Your cutting is terrible. But the worst thing is, you picked Murder by Television to be your movie. It's a horrible movie. Your whole show looks cheap, and a really professional company would never pick it up. Your dream of having it on TCM is a complete fantasy. It should be free on YouTube. Did you write this? No, but I love this guy. The show is a tribute to old-fashioned hosted movies of the 1950s, 60s, and 70s. It's supposed to look cheap. It is cheap. Those shows look cheap. Yeah, if we had it to do over, it might be different. But we don't. We shot the show in 2008 and finished it in 2009. It was shot with a broken camera and a computer over 15 years old. It's amazing it's as good as it is. Look, we don't care about the drama behind the show. We just care that it was terrible. So why don't you shoot a bunch more shows now that you have a faster computer? Oh, come on. That can't be the same question. You're making this up. No, no, no. It was on the other side of the card. Look for yourself. Looks like your handwriting. Uh, Well, it's just a coincidence. But I did say I loved the guy. Making that pilot was a huge amount of work, and as Mr. Anonymous stated, it didn't exactly set the world on fire. If we got some sort of financing that would allow me to shut down all my other work and do just that for a while, we could shoot more. I'm not expecting it to happen anytime soon. <laughs> Any questions for our next podcast, especially if they're annoying, ask Dr. Film at drfilm.net. Here's one last one from Stuart N. in Indianapolis. I heard that 
Buster Keaton saved London after midnight when he started colorizing all the films that James Mason found in the salt mines in Kansas. Is that where you got your copy? Okay, that's it. I'm not answering that at all. Let me tell you what's right with that question. Nothing, nothing at all. You know, they say there's no such thing as a stupid question. Yes, there is. I just heard it. And now it's time for Dr. Film's Pocket Rant. Today's Pocket Rant is about streaming media. I remember a politician once told me that two things people will tell you is that we need more benefits and we don't want our taxes raised. Well, this is the same thing with streaming services. People will tell me that they want to see the Dr. Film show on TV, but they don't want to pay for it, and they hate commercials. They want a streaming movie channel, but for free. And how do I do that? Well, there's only one possible way to do it. Since I have to eat and pay anamorphia, <laughs> then I have to make money somehow. I'm working on a nonprofit organization, a 501c3, that we can use to solicit donations and keep films available. I mean quality films, things mastered from good film prints, not the junk you find on archive.org. But I still encourage you all to support local and regional film showings. Movies are intended to be shared with an audience and not on a phone. You'll enjoy them more, and you'll help keep a local business open. Everyone wins. Rant over! And now it's time for Dr. Film's guest speaker. Good evening. My name is Cornelius McGillicuddy. I am a professor of film studies at several very prestigious colleges and a graduate of USCC, the University for Stereotypical Comedy Characters. I am here to refute some of the claims made on this program by this Dr. Film fellow. First of all, I think it's outrageous that this man has been allowed to produce a podcast and call himself Dr. Film without providing any credentials whatsoever. You notice he just comes on here and says, Hello, I'm Dr. Film, and I'm going to tell you everything you need to know about movies. No identification, no degrees, he clearly has no qualification to be doing this, and yet he claims he knows all about early color films and the disadvantages of streaming and so on. I know he has a Dr. Film blog or something, but blog is such an ugly word. I never read those things. Blog, where the word sounds like some sort of awful skin disease. Why would someone want to read anything with a word like that attached to it? So, no, I've never read the Dr. Film blog, and I never shall. I base my knowledge of this fellow only on the preceding few minutes of this program, and I think if he expects us to take him seriously, he should tell us how he became a doctor of film in the first place. The fact that he hasn't done that clearly shows he is unqualified to speak on the wonderful subject of film history. Now then, to get to the specific problems with the things he's been discussing, you recall he was talking about the first all-colour film. He mentioned The Gulf Between from 1917 was one of the first all-colour films. Very irresponsible. I've never seen that film. In fact, I've never even heard of it. So obviously there is no such film. It's absurd that this man should be answering people's questions by just making up films that never existed. He might just as well have said that the first all-colour film was, oh, Goldilocks and the Three Charleston Dancers from 1926, or something equally ridiculous. How does he expect to help his listeners and give them accurate information if he's only going to make up titles of films that no one has ever heard of? 
He mentioned Becky Sharp, which, according to the Internet Movie Database, which, of course, we all know is the most accurate source of movie information, certainly much more so than this Dr. Film, the IMDb says that Becky Sharp is a 1935 film directed by Ruben Mamoulian with Miriam Hopkins and Cedric Hardwick. Now, I hate to say this, but even the IMDb is dead wrong on this one. There's no such film as Becky Sharp. There can't be. Why, Miriam Hopkins was fighting in Vietnam in 1935, Cedric Hardwick hadn't even been born yet, and Reuben Mamoulian was dead. Poor fellow was eaten by an alligator. So obviously they couldn't have made a film called Becky Sharp in 1935, even if it had been made in colour. No, according to my research, the whole thing is a joke. IMDB has made a typo, you see. The film they're thinking of is called Bucket Shop, from 1953, directed by Robert Mitchum and starring Lida Roberti and Dustin Hoffman. I don't know how such a simple piece of information could have been twisted around like that, and then this doctor film person has the nerve to perpetuate such nonsense on the air instead of getting his facts straight. In fact, if I may take the liberty of answering this question myself, the first all-colour film was Casablanca. Everyone's heard of Casablanca, so that must be it. Unfortunately, only black-and-white prints of it exist today, but it was originally made in colour. A lot of people don't know that, you see. But if you look at the original 1942 posters with a magnifying glass, you'll see the words, The first film ever made entirely in colour, in small print. It had to be in small print because they didn't want to advertise it too boldly. Warner Brothers didn't want the other studios stealing it, you see. I know, you're thinking, what about Gone with the Wind? Well, it's quite the opposite there, you see. Gone with the Wind was originally made in black and white, but the original negative was destroyed in 1991, and the only prints we have today are the colourised prints that were aired on the Turner networks. I guess we're so used to seeing the colourised version for so many years, people think it was made that way, but it wasn't. You know how cheap the studios were back then. I doubt they would have really wanted to use up four hours' worth of colour film, much too expensive for 1939. You notice none of the other studios did it. I'm very surprised that Dr. Film failed to mention any of this when answering his listeners' questions. It's rather unfortunate that I had to come here just to unravel this web of lies he's been giving to his listeners, but I feel it my duty as a respected film teacher to set the record straight as a public service. I hope it's been useful for Dr. Film's listeners, that is to say, both of them. Good night. Where did you dig that guy up? I liked it. Thanks to Andrew Gilmore as Dr. McGillicuddy, and next time we'll go over everything he said that was wrong. I thought he was good. Yeah, you would. Thanks for listening, and go out to see an old movie.